It's happy hour from the Collins Hotel in Uptown New Orleans. Hi, I'm Grant Morris. Welcome back. It's 2012, our very first show of the year. We're Uptown at the Collins Hotel, 3811 St. Charles Avenue. As the streetcar rolls by under beautiful sunny skies today, the Collins is a great place to come and stay if you're coming to New Orleans and a great place to come and have a drink with us if you're already here. In the next 60 minutes, you're going to get to meet three of just the many thousands of fascinating people who live in New Orleans, and you'll get to hear some live music at the end of the show. You might, con- or not, you might conclude New Orleans is a great city where people love to talk, have fun, and enjoy great music, but you probably know that already. So let's get right on to doing nothing but enjoying the next 60 minutes of happy hour together. My special guests this week are not Mitch Foreman, who couldn't make it. He's in the recording studio doing something, which we'll find out about next week. In the meantime, we do have Brett Dykes, also known on Twitter and around the web as the Cajun Boy. That is correct. The editor of, do I pronounce it Uprox? Uprox. 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 Uprox.com. Of all the time I've seen that written down, I've never heard anyone say that word. How often do you hear that word, Uprox? Uh, how often do I hear it? Yeah. I hear it often. I've never heard it, and anyone pronounce it Uprox before. You've never, it must really? Be New Zealand. It must be, <laughs> yeah. must be some foreign thing. Yes. You are the editor some, of Uprox, correct? Correct. Until yes. recently, you were also the national affairs writer for Yahoo News and a contributor to Gourmet Live, yes. Esquire, and many other publications as well. That is correct. Are you, you very uh, you famous? Me. I Googled you. I got that off your own <laughs> website, really. Are you famous in New Orleans or mostly outside New Orleans? I think I'm mostly famous on the internet. Uh, a lot of pe- a lot of people know me by I, I had a personal blog at one point that I did anonymously uh, that I wrote as the Cajun Boy, and so I developed a, sort of an internet brand, right. I guess, for lack of a better term. So a lot of people know me in Louisiana know me as the Cajun Boy. I so, know you as the Cajun Boy. Well, there you go. I knew you as the Cajun Boy before I no knew way. who you were. Really? Yes, I was following. I'm, you on ast- I'm astonished by uh, literally how far uh, and wide, okay. like. Starting a personal blog in my apartment in New York City a few years ago. How far and wide it, and it reached. The same thing happened to a at K Beninato, who's our other guest at K Beninato. That's a great segue right there. It is. <laughs> it's true. At K Beninato is our yet? other guest, whose real name is Karen Dalton Beninato, who writes for the Huffington Post, for NewOrleans.com, Hello Metro, and is co-founder of the New Orleans Musicians Relief Fund. Welcome at K Beninato. Glad to be at here. Same thing is <laughs> I followed you on Twitter before I found out that you were really a human you being. You did, and we met Karen Beninato. I met you at, a, at an eyeglasses sale in That's New Orleans. Sideline. And, and which brings us to our other guest <laughs> of the day, who happens to already know. At I'm K just Beninato, a husband. That's all. Is at mm-hmm. K Beninato's <laughs> husband. What's your Twitter handle? Jeff? Uh, Jeff at N-O-M-R-F dot No, that's an email address. You, you, know, do well, email. Be, you don't want to <laughs> be giving that. I don't tweet. Let's see if we can, we can obliterate <laughs> that somehow. You don't have a Twitter account. I'm not so just signing you up for something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you've, Here comes you've porn. But I do call her at Karen Dalton. You do, yeah, you I do, do call her that. I do call her that, yeah. I read, it, I read the funny ones to him. I've got some of yours so that I printed out here. I bet oh, no one's, oh God. As, I'll get on to that in a minute. Let's just introduce Jeff so we can do this in a sort of semi-professional manner. Jeff was in the 80s pop band, the DBs. Mm-hmm. It was a huge band. Stands of, for decibels. For decibels. Mm-hmm. How many decibels did you play out at that time? <laughs> Are you deaf now? Uh, 11 sometimes, but uh, no. He blew up a lot of amps. That was yeah, his thing. I, just, I was famous you, for blowing amps. You were the bass yeah. player in the DBs. Yes. That was a very, very seminal band back in the day. Actually, very, you know, very good band. Uh, I'm actually in the uh, the um, CBGB's book, which I was pretty amazing. That is, yeah, wow. in that bathroom, a With picture loads of, the of guy liner. Yes, I have lots of guy liner. My first apartment, my first apartment in New York City was a few blocks away from CBGB's, and I saw it in being Bowery. turned into. What it is now, which it's a design. I can't remember his it's, name. It's, it's a clothing fashion, place it's now, a clothing right? Store yeah, now. It's yeah. Not here. yeah, 
Uh, did you go there before? Right yeah, before yeah, Brandon? yeah. I, I did. You know, when when I moved to the city, that was one of the things I wanted to really take in as much of that old grit as I could. Mm. And it was a really interesting time because that was when the gentrification of the Lower East Side, East Village, was really taking place, and mm-hmm. really watched it unfold over the course of four or five years, becoming to a big shopping mall. Basically, you moved you moved there from here, from New Orleans. Yeah, well, I'm not from New Orleans. I'm from I'm from a little small town south of Homa, which uh, is originally what? Chauvin. The only reason anyone from New Orleans has been to Chauvin is if they've gone down there to fish or if they work in the oil field industry. It's a it's a little fishing community down in the bayou. What what did you do there before you left? um, Well, I grew up there, uh, went to school uh, in Lafayette, uh, lived in Louisiana all my life um, and worked in pharmaceutical and medical sales, actually, but knew that I kind of had an inkling that I had a talent for writing. And so I just it was just one of those things. Well, if I don't. you know, do something to pursue this. I'm going to be an old man sitting in my rocking chair one day wondering what if, and I moved up there. Did you get to um, take a lot of pharmaceuticals? I, I took more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just in, the, in the interest of being honest, uh, I tried a few things. I tried a few things, as I think work? we all did. How does that work, though? So when you're a pharmaceutical sales guy, the company gives you a bunch of stuff. Well, yeah, you usually, have, you usually have your own product to give to doctors, but generally in just about every... <laughs> doctor's office you would have access now they're supposed to oh, okay there they were at least at the time the fda has has cracked down you know on this a lot but usually in every doctor's office there's like a closet where they keep samples of just one every drug and there's supposed to be a nurse who handles going in there taking putting your samples in taking but a lot of times they would be like no just just you know most of the time as a matter of fact just go in and and so you know so yeah, you're supposed yeah. to put your stuff on the shelves, but there's nothing to stop you taking other yes, people's stuff. Yes, exactly, off. exactly. Sales and is a and the, fu- yeah. the funny thing is, is that pharmaceutical sales, we all get to know each other. We run into each other running, you know, in the clinics and hospitals and so forth like that. And so you get to know what representatives carry different drugs. And so, hey, my wife needs birth control pills. Can you give me a year worth so of arthritis? So you guys are each other out. Exactly. And what did you exactly. sell? <clears throat> um, I had, I worked for a small company out of Georgia. I had... A, um, I mean, it's been so long, and I've I've blocked this how chapter long, out of my life. How long? <laughs> Sorry to open up, you know, horrible yeah, memory. Like, Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I I had a um a, an arthritis medication, a children's cough and cold medication. There was a prescription prenatal vitamin that I had. So I called on a wide array of. You, had uh, from, you went from positions. prenatal to arthritis. Yes, that's yeah. the whole so call, span yeah. of life. Yes, right? really, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was interesting. It was an interesting time, and it was also at a time before the FDA really began to heavily regulate. What did um, the FDA do before they regulated? Well, well, at the time when I was working, um, basically anything went, and you know we were able to take. I mean, we were. Ba- it can't be that there was, old. There surely. was there was there was a lot of. Um, I'll tell you this. I, I learned a lot about physicians in the time doing this job. Um, yeah. uh, there are some that are willing to be just like in any walk of life are willing to be bought and will prescribe medications based solely on the things that certain reps were doing for them, taking them on vacations, buying gifts for their wives. What about so Elvis's so uh, <clears throat> scriptwriter? Oh, that guy. <laughs> you will. You will. Yeah. Perfect example. Um, so there's like payola in the in the medical business. Absolutely, you can, absolutely. You would, it, you had the ability though to walk into a doctor's office and say, "Yeah, hey, listen, I, I, have you I been had, on a vacation lately?" I had a, you, you know, I take people to Biloxi to the to the casinos and and uh, to art art dinners. What 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 you what we do a lot were, were what call were called programs, which is basically take like ten doctors out to dinner. You'll have one who's a featured speaker, and you give him a 
uh, speaking fee to talk about your drug. And he'd get up and say, hey, this drug is great. And we'd hand him a $10,000 check at the end of the night. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so really? that, wow. was, that was a way of basically paying off. And everyone did it. Everyone did it at the time. And then the and doctors would write prescriptions for your drugs. Oh, you could see it. You could, we would get tracking reports from pharmacies. And you could see there's a direct correlation um, between prescribing habits and when I may have taken a rep out to dinner or another rep may have taken a doctor out to dinner. It's this just, is the sort of stuff you don't want to know. About. You don't no. want, yes, exactly. It's exactly. the honor system. Yeah. But, but here, here's, here's, here's one thing I learned. It's a bit of advice I give to anyone who... If you are in a position where you have some sort of ailment that um, your life depends on in some way, and you're trying to find a physician, okay, who should I see right. about, say, you, you know, cancer or something like that? Something sit, like that. So, or, or anything that is, is okay. detrimental yeah. to your quality of life. Right, okay. Sit in a clinic one day where, you know, be at a clinic where, say you have arthritis. Let's just use that as, a, as okay. an example. Um, sit outside uh, the door of a doctor's office who... Um, you know, someone who is an orthopedic surgeon or is, uh, you know, a specialist in that field. What and when, you, when, the, when the reps come out, stop them and ask them. Say, hey, I've just been, you know, I'm just a guy on the street. I'm, I've just been, you know, um, diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. If you had rheumatoid arthritis, what doctor in this town would you go to see? Pharmaceutical reps know so much about okay. uh, the integrity of more than, more than I would say, people on in the, on the staffs of physicians. Is there a better way them. to do that than lurking outside a doctor's office though? I mean, like well, there, well there, there's, the there's the internet now. Yeah, but I've, uh, but, but I've just person to person, I think, is just, for me anyway. So just, say, say, Karen, have you got anything wrong with you? No serious ailments? I'm going to try not to now. <laughs> yeah, Suppose that's that you, my advice. Just don't get mental sick. Mental note, sick. avoid deadly yeah. illness. Avoid so if you everything. went to a doctor's office and you're sitting waiting to speak to a drug rep, how would you recognize yeah. the drug rep when he walked out? Uh, well-dressed, pinky ring, pinky ring? <laughs> money, fall, money falling out of pockets. Pinky ring's a new one. I don't think I've ever seen a rep for the, for, the, for the pinky ring. What's the identifying, identifying? what's the identifying, uh... Suit and a briefcase. Yeah. Basically. Uh, yeah, who walks out of a doctor's office with a briefcase? Uh, or, or, suit, um, uh, a lot of times, um, the women will have roller, um, uh, uh, with luggage. Like a suitcase. Yeah, like a suitcase. And um, they dress really sharp. Yeah, and it's usually it's usually the, the, the trend the trend in the industry has also been to hire uh, f people who were former athletes, college athletes, especially down here in the South, sure. and pretty attractive women. And the reason is most of the most of the physicians are male. Right. Most of the bear with me here. Most of the physicians are male. Yes. Uh, a guy who's a former athlete, maybe you know, say a former LSU football player, can walk into any doctor's office in Baton Rouge and get access to that doctor. And they will talk about football. Hey, did you see the game the other night? Blah, 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 blah. And conversely, pretty girls will... Um, will Materialize. Yeah, amazingly, <laughs> the doctor can... will see you. Yes. <laughs> can you believe that? On time. Pretty yeah. girls can get pretty much anywhere, though, don't you find? Don't remember. <laughs> you don't regret I'm, I'm going to stay away from that <laughs> question. Well, you're, you're pretty, aren't you, Karen? Wouldn't Aww. you say? Wouldn't you have to admit that? Formerly. Formerly pretty. Formerly known as pretty. Doing my best, man. <laughs> no, I, I do. The only anecdote I have along those lines is uh, post-college, uh, hung out with a group of psychiatrists because it's cheaper than therapy. Hanging How did you meet those guys? Oh, may or may not have dated one of them at one point, but they all were on Prozac because the reps would come along and say, you have to try this. Mm. And they just were the happiest group of people yeah. you ever want to spend time with. So well, when, when I was working in the industry, too, is when Viagra was launched. That was a really interesting oh. time because 
Um, everyone wanted to know the Pfizer rep at that point. Pfizer was the company that had that, that drug. It. Yeah. Um, and everyone was clamoring to, to try it. Was and lots so, of men wearing coats, like over coats. <laughs> <laughs> well, say, so, do you try that? I assume, then, right? Well, yeah, of course. How many? Do you, how many? If it but, works for Bob Dole. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, well, you got to remember this was this was late '90s, and this was the first erectile dysfunction drug to hit yeah. the market, and then. And then people began using it recre- recreationally, and you'd hear rumors. And so there was a lot of curiosity about what it. What was it recreational? Can you chop it up and snort it? I, I've heard of people doing that. Um, wow. Really? Okay, I was just joking about that. I no, thought, no. I thought because that was going to get a lot. Well, well, because with funny. any drug, if you chop it up and snort it, it gets, it, you know, it gets in your system faster. That's yeah. all it does. It does yeah. the same thing, it just Basically, more quickly. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. go to your brain or something. No, I don't think so. I don't know the former. So not like that couple in the, t- in the matching in the, tubs. No, that's the Cialis. That is, that's 36 <laughs> hours Cialis. You yes. can take a bath with somebody who you... Yeah, Cialis came along a couple of years later. I'm, I'm never quite sure whether they've just had sex or they're going to have sex. I think both. Bath. I think both. Because you're not yeah. going to have sex. Tub? Is that the tub? Yeah, yeah tub, tub, tub commercial. Every yeah. one of those commercials ends with two people in a side-by-side bath. Yes. Where do you get those? The tub. First of all, I don't know where you get them. Secondly, you can't do anything in a, <laughs> in a claw-foot bathtub. Probably, can you? Especially side by side ones. You're not in tune. Well, I, I I tolerate those commercials. You remember the Viagra commercials where there's a bunch of guys in a barn singing songs yes, together? Yeah, that's that, that, that I never I never <laughs> understood that. that. You never seen that one, Karen? No. It was literally like twelve guys in oh, a yeah. barn yeah, with playing a, with just, just jamming out. Yeah, yeah, they look like sort of meant to look like Jeff Bridges yeah. and Willie yeah. yeah. Nelson exactly. and there's the good looking young guy, like you know, the sort of whatever mm-hmm. is and, and they're all singing, yeah. And yeah. they're singing a Viagra song too. Yes. Like let's get it up or something. Yeah, can I curse here? I don't know. Yes, you can. All right, a song about not being able to get their dicks hard. Mm. Yeah, there's always amazing. sheep around too. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a deeply creepy commercial. I agree. Neither of those. I think I blocked that one out. <laughs> but the only good thing about those Viagra and Cialis commercials and so on is the thought that you could have an erection lasting more than four hours. Uh, that's... And what doctor would you call? Why would you go to a doctor <laughs> <laughs> at that point? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, but apparently, you can have some sort of terrible. You know, um, side effects. I've never from tried that. it. So you ever had an erection lasting four hours or more? And no, had to the doctor did. not only normal. I also like the thing they say on the, all these. In fact, you'll appreciate this as a medical sales ex medical sales rep. That the, the warning on all these same all these drug commercials is: make sure and tell your doctor of any drugs you're taking. Which I always thought it was the doctor who's supposed to tell you yeah. what drugs you're taking. But these days, apparently, everything's just. Fractionated. Or Fraction. ask your doctor. That gets me. You're going to ask for something like it's. Uh, well, they do though. That's dish at dinner. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. That's what they do, isn't it? They go. You go in and you say, "I saw this thing on TV about you know." Yeah, there, there, there's there is a lot of that, and and you talk to our, you know um, you talk to physicians. Uh, well, back then when I was when I was in that profession, and I'm sure it's even even more so now, who were really really annoyed because you know you had so many patients were coming in demanding, oh, no, um, you want to prescribe me this? I don't want that. I saw a commercial you know, for this right. antibiotic instead. I want the one with the tubs. Yeah. And, and especially What's wrong with that? The proliferation of the Internet now, everyone, you have, we have so much information at our fingertips that um, you know, people go to the doctor's office and a lot of times think they know more than the, the, than the doctor does about it. And mm. some, in some cases, that may be true, but more often than not. A little um, knowledge is a dangerous thing. It's a trouble yes. when you go in there. Karen, what did you do before you became a writer for all these august uh, publications? Newspaper back in the day, yellowed pages. So you didn't uh, do any other well, actually, nefarious... Ten years, Chicago <laughs> newspaper then. Pharmaceutical sales yeah. nefarious. No, <laughs> wait for it. I can match yours. Okay. Uh, uh, Moved south, post newspapers. They still exist. I just wasn't at one. 
and I was at a subprime mortgage banking oh, industry wow. job. Oh, that's okay. uh, Checkmate, my yes, friend. Yes, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> she could bring down some serious people. So, really? I see that you're poking Jeff there. How long have you been married, you two? 15, 14 years. 14, 14 years. or 15 is, that, is Halloween. Rough, rough enough. Halloween. How, you got married on Halloween. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's so, awesome. So surprise Halloween costume wedding. Surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who's, so who's, who got surprised? He was really surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so what a dad with a shotgun behind So what did you do that. in the subprime mortgage meltdown? Uh, just clerical. I typed, I answered the phone. I felt really good about nothing besides that. <laughs> that's really what you were doing? You were answering yeah, the phone 05. at a lending company? But it's the people who do the secretarial work who all, all, a lot of times in these financial firms know where the bodies are buried. Yeah, I'd, I've um, made a point of no. She does know where the bodies no. are buried. Let's talk about some of the bodies. <laughs> what, what company were you at? Anyway... <laughs> Oh, you're allowed to say the name of the company. I'll go through all of them until we start. Countrywide. Does it exist still? No, no, no. Actually, we're. it was kind of the good guys because they would say, no, really, it, I would advise you that's not great. Well, that's what, what they all what used to say. What you seem to want to be doing. So right. it was on a, in an advisory tisk tisk capacity. And, uh, but you were involved and in And good it. Lord. But you were there when it all went down. So did you No, s- I was in Illinois, evacuated for a good four years. Good four years, yeah. And at that point, kind of like... How good was it? It was, uh, it was peaceful. It was on the prairie. You guys evacuated for Katrina? Yeah. For four years? Did you well, ask we, we got lost. <laughs> no, her dad took sick, so we saw him off, and that, and was, my mom, that was our purpose to be and, up there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I never would have gotten that. Not, you know, you hate those, yay, Katrina, young minds are coming to the city, because no, nothing's worth who we lost and how we lost them, but... The changes that happened and the way that it brought you back to what you maybe were originally doing. We uh, spent five years in the Midwest and then, like everybody else, moved home and shared a house with Dr. John. Yeah. You shared a house with Dr. That? John? Yeah. Her, it was interesting. Not a bad guy to share a house with him. Yeah. No. Uh, What's he, altars, t- lots of altars. A lot of skulls and, stuff, and candles. Of skulls, yeah. So you moved into his house with him? He we wanted moved to together. Come, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a, you know, it was one of those things that You know, of, with the chore sheet on the wall, things like that. How <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. How did you guys meet him? His uh, girlfriend at the time, they wanted to, he wanted to come back, and they knew we came back and forth all the time with New Orleans Musicians Relief Fund. We were coming in and doing and shows, so and, and so. A lot of trading thing. off, but uh, the so time we spent was pretty amazing. So you met him through the New Orleans Musicians Relief well, Fund, which we're going to get on. I've been knowing him a long time because I was on Bourbon Street when I was like 15 playing with Fats Domino's son, so he would come in every once in a while. So I've kind of been knowing him that You long. played with Fats Domino's son, Yeah, his say? sons. Wow. Sons. Two both played keyboards. What? One played organ, B3, and other played piano. And yeah. what, what club were you at? I was at, the, at that time, it was uh, um, Ivanhoe. The Ivanhoe. Toulouse That's and a very famous, I mean, the That's a Aaron Neville, past, the yeah. Neville brothers played there as well. I remember hearing a little it was. I was down there when, like, most of the show, uh, Super Bowls were being played. So, you know, because uh, at one time, New Orleans was getting a Super Bowl almost every year. You know, it was like, but uh, it was interesting. I got to meet a lot of famous people, especially sports people like, so you were like bass Mickey, player. Mickey Mantle and Johnny Bench. Everybody would roll in to the club because it was and the latest. And his band was the horn section on Lady Marmalade. Lady Marmalade. It was, uh, it but was then they great. picked the meters for rhythm. Those well, it was the rhythm the section. Pants. It was sea saint you know. So <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. But so you were a bourbon, you were a bass player on Bourbon Street in the what what years? 70s? This would have been this was in the seventies, yeah. So that was the heyday. Well, one of the heydays of New Orleans. It was a great club, you know. It was a great club. It was one. It's nothing. It's nothing like it used to be on Bourbon. Now. I think it's those headphones are upside down, Karen. That <laughs> might be the problem. That's why they keep falling off. She's saying everything backwards. This is why I don't right go on television. <laughs> 
Maybe, maybe, Mitch, can you help Karen out with these headphones? Here? <laughs> but, but Dr. John was a really cool guy to live with. Fine. I mean, it was uh, a oh, lot of people it. thought that, you know. What time does he get up in the morning? Earlier yeah, than me. Earlier than us at times, yeah. He was a pretty straight-up guy. You know, he was going through some health problems at that moment, uh, you know, being treated for different things that he had. And he was in, you know, kind of a roller coaster mode. And all of a sudden, it just started coming out of it, and everything he was doing was working for him. And now he's just in amazing shape. Oh, he's, he's doing phenomenal. He looks better now than he's he, ever looked, actually. He, yes. I guess you guys are responsible for that. Oh, yeah, we did it all. It's my cookie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, um, what's it like when you have a conversation with Dr. John? I, I've had a number of conversations <laughs> where I can't understand what he's talking about. He's actually he's, he's very sharp. He's been clean and yeah. sober 20 years. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'll, you can't win with anecdotes. Like, we're talking about... Playing some reggae thing from the Muppets from years ago, as you as you would do. Playing some reggae thing <laughs> from the Muppets from yes, years ago. That's as not one, a sentence I've heard. As before. one does, and mm-hmm. um, he starts talking about, oh yeah, I wrote the liner notes for you know the guy who first came to the America, states, yeah. and we were going to do this. He's the big prophet of reggae, and and it went pretty. And the more he said, I was like, so Bob Marley, you wrote Bob Marley's liner notes. Yeah, nice guy. <laughs> well, first, there's two interesting Amazing. things about that story. First of all, he wrote Bob Marley's liner notes. Secondly, he couldn't remember Bob Marley's name. <laughs> I don't think he thought That's, he needed to. <laughs> you know, he, he's got this this thing that no one really is famous around him. I mean, you don't think he no. is either. He's just one of those guys that thinks everybody's here. You know, right. one everybody's time. one of the guys. Yeah, You're all yeah. On an and he really plane. does have that that theory. That's about a great quality. It is a, a great being. quality. It really I will, is. It's super I will say great. this about him too. Um, I, in my capacity as national affairs reporter for Yahoo News, I was down here covering the oil spill. Quite a bit, and um, he was one of the more quotable people you could ever. Oh, extremely uh, he was, outspoken. He was very outspoken on all that, and um, there was a rally in Jackson Square when we, we were there. We were June. there. <laughs> and, the um, magma thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, af- and afterwards, it was really funny. You had it was crawling with reporters, television, BBC, print, otherwise they were everywhere. And once he came, he gave his little speech, and once he came off the stage. Um, they were like flies to shit. Like everyone <laughs> yeah. literally was flocking to him because he knew there was going to, he would, he would talk for a good five minutes or so, but there would be one line that would be the yeah. money line All right. that you could lead a story with. And he's yeah. great. He's, and you know, he's it's nice. He's, he's not doing it short term. I just got a call uh, April 20th. He's doing a gathering of the, the Native American tribes down by the Gulf. To oh, pray, the homeless uh, Indians and yes. yeah, but like they're that. coming from all over the country. Oh wow! And it's it's if you've ever heard the phrase "too many chiefs," that's why it's, <laughs> that's why it's been a little hard to organize. But uh, happening on the twentieth. So he's he's part of that. What, what's is. that called? That's to save the Gulf. It's no, it's Soul Fire. Soul Fire. And it's a gathering uh, from tribes around the earth to play pray for the health of the waters. It's a good thing. And recovery, which is really neat. He's you know he's. We'll he doesn't take all forget the help we can get. exactly. He doesn't forget a thing. There's a computer up there somewhere. He does. He does have a computer. It's amazing what he can remember. And he's he's pretty old. He's been playing he's in his uh, early seventies. Seventies. Mm-hmm. So you guys, you, you you lived in a house together with each other for a while, and then you you got your own place. You you fixed up your. We house were coming back and forth from Illinois at that time. We were running New Orleans. This is really fun. And so we were coming in to do shows. He did a show for us. REM helped us out. Wilco helped us out. This is for the musicians. Right. And, uh, which we should talk about in a minute. Yeah. But it, bef- it was a good thing. We felt good about it. And so we kept coming back and forth and renting different places. And then this opportunity came about to share a house with him. And that's well, tell how us, it happened. Why don't we get onto that right now? I was going to say, let's, let's, we'll talk about your music in a minute, actually, okay. Jeff. But tell us a little bit about the New Orleans Musicians Relief Fund. What... 
how did it start? And I mean, it started after Katrina, I guess. Yeah, it was Jeff's idea, and I tried to talk him out of it, and there was no doing that. And I it seems could, hard. I don't have a recreate, home right now. We could recreate that conversation. Right Real now. quick, she. No, I don't want to. We had a. She was well, leaving a job uh, on a Friday night. Uh, had a party for uh, you know with all co-workers, and then we were leaving for Chicago that Saturday morning because we already rented some vacation we want to do it so this is before katrina it's coming let's put it that way so how long the, before katrina it was Day saturday before. i had a new job oh, starting in a week yeah, yeah that, oh, so she was going to start another i had gig. a going away party so wow. she had a going away party so right. so we're, we're what, what job was this this wasn't the subprime mortgage yes it was, it was, it was clerical it was clerical okay we're well, not allowed to talk about the subprime <laughs> mortgage thing apparently <laughs> brett you could use some of your journalistic skills to get something i could use some Karen, can you some work booze. on that a, give me some pharmaceutical this, this, this is the um this is the most potent journalistic skill one a, can have what are you drinking <laughs> karen just red oh, wine we need, we need for another me. round here <laughs> what's happened to alex our, our waitress our bartender <laughs> she's I don't, she doesn't like people with shifty professions. <laughs> hey, Mitch, can you can you yell out at Alex, the, the waitress, and give us another round of thanks, man? So for a lead, okay, here we lose, go. Okay, so, so we'll get back to that in a minute. About so there we we're packing Saturday packing. Saturday morning, and she's about you know she's going to start a gig a week later, and it's going it was actually with the Hollywood of the South people, you know that, that firm that was taking care of it. Although I think they got indicted for selling yeah, movie so credits. Yeah, so thank God that, oh, that was these guys from. Well, Katrina stopped her from doing that. What was the name of that, that company that was on the top of Canal One Canal Place? I cannot remember. Malcolm Petal. I, I was the Louisiana Institute of Film Technology. I don't called. know what it Lift. was. But Here we go, Alex. Thanks. Merlo, Abita Amber. Merlo, Abita Amber, and Jack. Jack and Ginger. Jack and Ginger. So, I'm good. So we're driving. It's Saturday, and we're looking, you know, obviously we're looking at the weather, and it's coming. You know, yeah. Katrina's coming. So we get up to Chicago, and uh, we start to watch TV as everyone was, CNN, every, and and. We see it coming, bam, and you know, we think it's going to be ground zero, and then it turns and it hits uh, Bay St. Louis. And so we're thinking, okay, we survived this, and then the next day, Monday morning, we wake up and the water's That's coming the in, right? And uh, so we're trying to figure out what's going on at that moment, and I'm thinking, where's my, how's my stuff doing down in New Orleans? Because it could possibly be underwater. Right. And other musicians that have lots of gear that's probably underwater. Because, you know, when you're leaving with family and friends and all, you're only going to take your most important stuff. You, you know, your guitars that, you know, you've been having for years and stuff. You're not going to be able to pack everything because everybody else needs to get their stuff in the cars and get out of here. So uh, so that, that morning, that Monday morning after we saw it all begun, you know, happen, we went to uh, the bank and started it just like that. It took us a really? couple hours to get the fun rolling. We're walking down the street, and we pass WGN Radio, and they got a big window. You know, they got about a five million uh, you know, people listening capacity. So uh, we put the flyer up that we got made and said, this is what we're trying to do right now. And we got interviewed at Drive Time, 5 o'clock. This is the like Monday of Hurricane Katrina. This is mm-hmm. when we still don't yes. even know. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so I had like, no idea what was yeah, to come, really. That's amazing. So, and then uh, we start traveling across the country because we couldn't come back. We figured, you know, our place right. was underwater. It was. So, uh, where, did, where did you live? We lived up uh, around Mid-city. Carrollton and, and. Mid City. Yeah, so okay. it, it was about yeah. four feet, something right. like that. So, um, real quick, we started traveling across the country. We started doing morning shows, and I, I bought a guitar on the road because uh, I didn't have an acoustic with me. So we started doing old New Orleans songs, singing and playing, and we, we just were cruising for, for a month or two, you know. 
raising money. And then Wilco did a show for us in Chicago, and REM decided to want to do something for us, and then Dr. John wanted to do something. So before we knew it, we had lots of money in the bank. And before we even had the 501c3 yet, which is the, the document for, you know, You're tax. You're rigid to charity. Right, exactly. Right. And, and, and that's it. It just kept on rolling from there. And it just made a database, made a verified database. people, mailed out checks, and uh, topped out at about a quarter million. It's mostly instruments now, but so feel good about it. We've you missed a chapter. Something. We've missed like a paragraph here. You got all this money, and, what it, and to, this is to buy instruments. No, no it, at the time it was it grants. For? Nobody could get it's home. It's just giving people We were helping cash. people that were in hotel rooms and you know, couldn't feed their families you and stuff. Be, and you also. had to be a musician. A working musician in New Orleans who obviously, and then you got some creative applications where they were cutting and pasting each other. But I mean, yeah, Jeff we, was born <laughs> Jeff was born and raised here. He's a little bit okay. hard to... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I could, play, going, I could play yeah. three chords on a guitar. You know, <laughs> C, F, and G, sort would that like get that. me in? No, there were things like, could you get me a grant to move to New Orleans and play music? Because I think I could help them and I've always wanted to go. <laughs> that happened and, a lot. And, oh, wait, and I have a song about Katrina. Yeah, I got a song about Katrina, man. Come on. So, so people came to you and said, I, I, I'm a musician. I mean, you must have known tons of these people, of course, because you've been playing here yeah. forever. Are you yeah. from here originally? Yes. yes. Ninth Ward, Upper. What high school did you go to? Uh, McDonough on uh, Esplanade, right across from the Musicians Union. You may be from New Zealand, but you've learned the vital questions. What high school? Yeah. <laughs> what high school? <laughs> that's, what everybody wants, that's what everybody asks here. It's, it's an came, identifying, you know, oh, yeah. oh okay, I know. Yeah, I can, I know yes. It's like what accent do you have in England or, yeah. or what color of your skin is or, you know, or something like that. It's what high school did you go to here. It's the, it's the identifying mark of everything. Yeah. So McDonough is a public school. What does that mean? Not Catholic, not private. Uh, no, it's just a famous... No, know, I mean, what does, it say, what does it say about you? If I remember, me? If I'm you listening know, to this show, people listen to this show from outside New Orleans, and they're like, what the hell are they talking about? What is, what is, I, well, I played what is upright Mc, bass in a, in what a, is in a school. What does McDonough say about someone when you know that they went to McDonough? Which is, by the way, spelt McDonough. Yeah, McDonough, but right. pronounced McDonough. Right. No, it was just, just a normal high school, you know? I mean, uh, I was, I'm old enough to uh, remember when uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated, you know? And, the, and, the, and the, the school at that moment was probably more black than white, and it was amazing, you know, how we related to that situation when it happened. And it was good. It made me feel good about the way I felt about it, you know. So how it was you, a great school. How did you relate to that when it happened? <clears throat> I was shocked. I was saddened, you know, and, and what did it crying together with, what did with it, everyone. What did it know? change for you at school? You know, I, I've, I've, I've played with black musicians all my life, you know. So it, I've, I never looked at it any more than just a, a great person that, got snubbed, you know, and just got... Were people getting killed all the time in New Orleans back then when you were working on Bourbon Street? It had, you know, it had its problems back then, same as today, you know, I mean, was I it, think... Was it the same as today? Uh, I felt, you know, scared sometimes walking a quarter when I was coming back from a gig at 4 a.m. in the morning with my guitar. Yeah, sure, I mean, you always feel like somebody could rob you, whatever call, you know, it was, didn't matter. Were there people getting rubbed out like they are now, though, like... No, I don't Shot. think the drug situation wasn't as bad then, and I think that's the problem right now. It's all a lot of it's about drugs. A lot of it's about drug deals going bad, and hey, where's the money I gave you? That you know, where's the money for this? And that's what's happening right now. And, and a, so it wasn't as bad back then. What are you playing now? Well, I'm just uh, finished producing a song, and uh, I've been producing other people. I, I play pretty much quite a few instruments, but. I started out as a drummer, then went to guitar, and then started going around listening to bands and didn't 
like their bass players, so I would sit in with most of them. And every time I'd sit in with them, I'd have the gig in a week or two. I'd have the gig, you know. So it's, I figured, well, don't maybe ask this him is, to sit in. Maybe yeah. this is maybe That's this is what make, I should be doing. Is that know, a way? To, of, is that a way to make friends with a lot of musicians <laughs> by getting the job? You know, but, actually, but then we gave him a lot of money. No, actually, you know, I, I never. When somebody wants to sit in a bass player, I never would ever say no. And in most cases, I learned from them. You know, whatever they did well, I, I took it from them. You know. George Porter anyway, sat in with you guys George last Porter week. George Porter just sat in recently. I'm, I'm doing a gig down in uh, Quarter now, but uh, uh, there was a lot of great bass players that would come in and play, and I would just love it. You know, well, just, George Porter is the king of, of bass he, players. He's right? quite a bass player. Yes, he came in for his birthday. And, and would he played. be? Would he be the king of bass players in New Orleans? Uh, in, in his own style, yeah, he's got great style, and he's got one particular style that I don't think anybody can emulate. What is that? It's just kind of a real stiff, funky, you know, just lay down. I mean, uh, the meters were, you know, the, probably the best rhythm section, you know, ever to come out of yeah. the United States. You know what I mean? And, uh, or the world. Or the world, really. He's a really cool guy, too, a really nice guy. You know, he's a good player. When he, whenever he comes by, I, I want him to play. I beg him, please get up and play, man. And Take this gig. <laughs> <laughs> Does Dr. John play the piano around the house while you live? When you you know, we played guitar. We didn't have a piano. We bought a rollout piano. Dr. John writing. doesn't have a piano. Wow. Well, well, he, that's, really. that's the he breaking news <laughs> of this podcast. He yeah, does really. now. He does Dr. Now. John has no, has no piano. That's no, his bizarre. pianos were up in New York, and this was always a short-term thing. So one time we bought one of those rollout pianos. One of those rollout <laughs> ones? What's a rollout? Interesting. What's a rollout? And he played. They it sell them right next to the Snuggies at the right. Yeah. <laughs> really? Like a toy. I, I the the thought of Doctor John playing one of those. Things I have videos of it. <laughs> he, could, he couldn't Dude. get the right notes, so he switched it to Calliope, and it, it was great. Oh my oh, god, it was amazing. It was really cool. Yeah. That's crazy. That, well, he started off as a guitar player, right? Back in the day, I guess. A, so. ba- a bass player, really, too. He did. Finger yeah. shot off, defending a band member. Yeah. He's, he's got, got one finger shot off. As one will do. Tip. And that's kind of what. What, what hand? It's a, it's on uh, this hand. Left, we call that. Yeah. And it, what finger? The the middle finger. Yeah. Dr. No, it's pinky, right? No, I think it was the, I think it was this one. But he but had, the reason why you know he he couldn't his guitar playing was getting you know because it was shorter he was having problems playing the chords. So then he started to switch over to piano, and that's kind of what got him into that, you know. To play but then piano. I always thought, how is that easy? Are you still? I well, you, know, you don't. You don't need the length as much. You know, Imagine what he would sound like if he had all his fingers. <laughs> he like plays ju- guitar like a monster. Oh, he's really. He just guitar. sit around the would be painting a wall, and he's just. Gentle. I brought one, a, one of these days. Someone's going to make a movie about his life, and that's the opening scene right there. Getting him, his finger. Him or getting playing his the rollout piano, getting, getting his finger, finger shot, shot off. off, and then say, "Oh, I've got it." You know. It's funny. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny how you can say a sentence and it just sort of rolls away and you don't think about it how do you get your finger shot off i think he i was, mean where's I, your finger is it w- i think he s- would like put it up like that to stop to the, stop the bullet to help a friend and oh he was going for a guy <laughs> brett's not used to this the cajun boy <laughs> no i i no i actually i'm cringing because i'm from where i'm from i literally grew up in the swamp i i i know i'm all too familiar with gun accidents the 12 hour like people people um You've getting seen, shot accidentally. You've seen that. I, I haven't seen it, but I had friends that I that I lost growing up. Who lost. Were, who they got shot in, in hunting, the hunting accidents. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. I kind of just wondered. So, what are they people out in the swamp thinking? It's an alligator or a deer or something? And no, no. It was, it was it, just uh, um, there. There, was, there actually was one like that, uh, a case like that that I remember where um, uh, two brothers who I was friends with, I grew up with, like you know, grew up like down the street from me. 
were uh, were out hunting and hunting deer, I believe. And one of them moved, you know, made a rustling noise, and his brother oh. thought it was some sort of animal mm. and shot him. Oh God! Um, Dick, and uh, Dick and, Cheney. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it happened. It happens, you know. So it does. Yeah, such is life in rural Louisiana. Yeah. Do you go back there? Do you still have family there in Chauvin? Um, my my mom and dad, after Hurricane Rita came through, um, yeah. it wasn't Katrina that really got that area right. as hard. Um, it was Rita. Katrina pushed a lot of water and so forth inland. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and Rita came through. They took on some water. And if I remember correctly, insurance company at the time said, we're going to continue to insure you gonna have to jack the house up like 12 feet off the ground or something like that and so then they bought a piece of land in Homa which is uh you know 20 miles away but more of a more inland yeah and uh and live there now so I I don't have family in the swamp anymore so do you have any there's no family your parents are gone but do you have well they're they're in Homa which is still close enough south Louisiana did you have brothers and sisters down there yes yeah but they're where they they live in Homa as as well everyone's moved to Homa every they're in terrible in Paris just still but like where I where like the little town of Chauvin, if you've ever been down there before, there's one highway and it goes along a bayou that literally is going toward, to the Gulf of Mexico, feeds into the Gulf of Mexico. And on the other side of it, it's swamp. And we kind of live, people lived right in the middle of it. So, um, you know, like a lot of times, like after school, once I was seven, eight years old, I guess, I had a shotgun um, and would go off into the woods with my brothers or my friends. And a lot of times what we ate for dinner at night was whatever we caught and killed and um you know mom threw in a pot and put on the table when did you first discover <laughs> you're you're intelligent uh <laughs> that's a loaded question yeah. no i'm uh, serious because the stuff when you i mean if you read the stuff that you've written that you write every day and the stuff you put on twitter you would never think that's where you came that's from actually no well the, there yeah. the, i i've been told that a lot i i i can only attribute it to my mother i was my mother taking me to the library and reading to me a lot when i was when i was a kid um she read to you in the library which is unusual too well the, to be quiet I, in the library. I think she did i don't know I, I, she took me to the library a lot and read to me a lot okay um but 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 i did but your I mother ruin that, the library experience <laughs> for others <laughs> This is I, a tough interview. Yeah, I realized. I realized. Uh, I think from a, from a young age that um, I wanted to do bigger things, and as you can probably tell, I don't really have a Cajun accent, and mm-hmm. I, I actually worked really hard to lose it. I would tape radio shows, and oh and um, back when you actually tape things That's with a recorder, yeah. and yeah. I would I would sit in my bedroom and practice, um, you know, enunciating words and phrases like the you know, people on the radio would. I wanted to have a geographically ambiguous uh, accent. I didn't want to, I really didn't want to sound like I was from Chauvin. I thought it sounded, as much as I hate to say this now, because <laughs> there is something really endearing about it. I didn't want to sound like I was from Chauvin, Louisiana. You want to sound like a hick? No, well, it just, wouldn't be a hick. It's not a hick. <laughs> no, 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 so no. what is it that you didn't want to sound like? It sounds like Bobby Hebert. You've listened to Bobby Hebert. Yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to go there. That's, that's basically... That's but you know, he's so much ever. better now. He's is so he, much better now. I think. <laughs> Bobby Abraham sounds the exact same way now that he did 20 it's, years ago. I don't ago. know. I don't know about is that. Bobby, Bo- no, Bob, Bobby is from LaRose, uh, <laughs> if I remember correct. But uh, he, went, he went to the high school. He went to South Lafouche. I went to South Terrebonne. Okay. Basically, they're Serious basically Cajun. carbon cop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were like our biggest rival. And, but very, very Cajun. So you talk you, like this, you know. It's like, man, man, I'm going down to the grocery store. Give me some Buddha. I'll be back in a little bit. You know? That's it. Y'all need, y'all need something? Y'all need some beer or anything like that? You know? <laughs> 
Did you? <laughs> that's perfect. But that's such a great accent, though. Now. I know. Well, now, now yeah. I look back and I was like, oh man, you I can go back to that. I can whip it out on a moment's notice, and can you get, when a, I get a can few you, can drinks? Can you have another couple of these? Jack oh, I, I on cue, on cue. Excellent. But uh, but it's not my default. Right. You know, uh, Do you have to think about it once you start doing yeah. it? Yeah. Well, if I'm around, if I'm around other people who are Cajun and who speak like that. I can blend in flawlessly, um, but otherwise, otherwise, no. It's uh, I sort it's of went through that with a knife ward accent, pretty much. You know, I was very happy at one point. Your mm-hmm. your accent was more of a knife ward accent. Much. Can you still do that? I don't know. You know, I mean, just just stuff like you know, orange drink and and, right. and, <laughs> and I'm going to the Terrellitz. I'm going to the Terrellitz. I need you know that kind of stuff. We need <laughs> you guys to both to do the rest of the show. I, think. <laughs> I know. In just your in, our, in our original accents. Yeah. yeah. There is there is one word that it still creeps up on me every now and then that uh, friends here give me a lot of trouble about, and it's the word ask, which I will pronounce as axe. AX. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, say, let me, hey, I need to ask you a question. That's a and pretty New Orleans thing, actually. I guess it kind of is, too, it is. but it, it, it's also a down the bayou thing as well. It really is. You know what uh, I needed you for? NewOrleans.com's been sending me on tours mm-hmm. and wrote that, and that's done. But swamp tour with a guy in a swamp people t shirt. Oh. Explaining everything to everybody oh. on the boat. Yeah. Well, now the Cajun people, what you really need. And nobody pushed him off. Can I say something about local? Swamp People really quick then? No, Please. The TV show? Yeah. The TV show. Um, so I'm, I moved to New York in 2002, right? And over the court, people are, people like, when you meet people from, who aren't from here, there's a, there's a general, even before the influence, all these TV shows have popped up down here, there was always a fascination with um, South Louisiana, the culture in New Orleans. And I never really had a thing that I thought I could point to when people ask me, you know, when I, where are you from? And I'd say, oh, I'm from Chauvin, Louisiana. I could say, watch this, and you will get it. <laughs> My people. Swamp people popped up a couple of years ago. I was like, watch this show. This is, this, that's, that's how it. I grew up right there. Although it's the perfect. awful thing they taught is this guy flips over a baby gator. This I think that's Troy. Which, <laughs> no, it <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the gator or the guy? No, the guy. The guy. I think, the, I think, the, it's, I think that's Troy Landry. The, guy, I think on, is his the name. guy on our boat who was emulating Troy Landry flips the gator over to tickle it to explain uh, that yeah. that's how to put them to sleep. Well, one of my earliest memories of my father, one of my earliest memories of my dad, was fishing. Uh, we're, we're in a boat. Uh, I was probably about five years old, and an alligator like, comes up to the side of the boat. It's probably about four or five feet long. And he just, without saying anything, reaches over and snatches it by the back of the neck and pulls it up into the boat and then takes, wow. a, takes a knife and slits, it th- slits its throat. And I was like, Dad. But that was, you know, that's, that's how something we, he had That's how done. we rolled down there. Yeah, that's, that's how Can you do that? I, I, I probably could, but I, I choose not to anymore. It's wow. like, uh, it's... Um, so you, I only believe in... I mean, I, could sk- I can skin animals. I can... Yeah. I, I can, you know, I've all, I always said, like, if, uh, if, uh, if, if the apocalypse came or something really bad happened, um, you know, I would joke with girls all the time that I would meet. I was like, you need to get, to get with me because I can hunt, right. you know, kill and, and, and cook your food. <laughs> <laughs> I will take care of you. Did They'll that, outlive us all. Did that work? Uh, occasionally. Occasionally it would. Occasionally Are you single would. or married or what now? I'm single. I'm single. So is it still working that line? I'm not sure. Not, uh, for, not for not, vegans. <laughs> not as much here. It would really work yeah. in New York when I lived in New really? York. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it was because, because it, was, it was sort of foreign, exotic. But down here you have 
there's a lot more men, so to speak, in the in the in the pool here. There's more hunting that, fishing yeah, guys. Yeah, hunting fishing yeah, shooting guys. There's not guys so many guys there are in, side Yeah, exactly. Right. You walk into a bar in East Village, and and yeah, there's no competition in that. What realm. made you come back? Um, I had it was one of these things where it's it's funny because um, after I moved away, people would ask me often, "Do you ever will you ever move back to Louisiana?" And I always said, "I will move back to die." I, that's that's that that I had no inclination to move back at all. And um, but but getting away, I, I you take Louisiana, New Orleans for granted, and it was moving away that really um, made me appreciate it so much more. You, you know, I grew up down here, and me. I thought, oh, everyone lives like this. Everyone has this amazing culture. And then you move away, and it's like, wait a minute, this isn't. This is actually really really mm-hmm. unique. And then um, and then Katrina really did a number on me. Like a lot of people who, um, that I've spoken to that are from here who were living away, um, just became burdened with what a lot of people called Katrina guilt. It's like, I want to be down there. I, I feel like I should be helping, you know? And, and so right after, it was really starting right after the storm, I began looking for any possible angle to get back down here. And it took the, ironically, the oil spill. I was working for Yahoo News and I uh, was covering a lot of environmental stuff, and then the oil spill happened, and uh, they were sending me down here pretty, pretty regularly, and I said, look, why don't you just let me get a place in New Orleans? And, and then after it was over, I was like, ah, I think I'm gonna stay down here. I'm not, so <laughs> I'm you, not going back. Did you, so, quit, nice. did you quit your job with Yahoo? <clears throat> I did, And just I did. moved here and then didn't have anything to do? No, 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 I moved here while, while still working You're for still, Yahoo, okay. but after, at the, it was actually at the one year anniversary of the, uh, it was April 20th, of yeah. last year, um, I had some other opportunities that I wanted to pursue and and resigned. So, th- so the other opportunities you're talking about is that you're the editor of, of Uprock, yes, which I launched I a website. Yes, so you launched that yourself. It was so. it existed before, but it was basically a shell. Um, uh, I work for a couple of guys who are former hip hop music moguls. They um, they started a, a label right out of college called Raucous Records that became um, what New York Magazine called, I believe it was in 1999 or 2000, the Miramax of hip-hop music. Um, They discovered a lot of um, artists who are now internationally famous, Most Def, Kanye West, Common, um, and there were just two Jewish kids who were best friends who grew up in New York City who loved hip-hop music but knew they could never be hip-hop artists and started a record (laughs) label. And uh, and then they were eventually bought out by uh, by a bigger label, and I believe it was in two thousand one. And uh, sat, you know, had some money, played around for a few years, and then decided they wanted to get in the web publishing business. And uh, while I was still working at Yahoo, they they had approached me. They had already started a family of websites, and um, and they had an idea for another one, which was Uproxx, which what? was registered, but there was really no original content on it. So you created that, because it's a wacky site. It's got all it's sorts an, of it's, wild it's, stuff cool. on it's, it. Uh, yeah. It's an interesting, well, I'm glad to hear that. That's, that's, uh, that, was, uh, that was my intent. Um, there was really, at the time, there weren't really that, like the, the way I describe the site is things happen in the world, and there's a way the world reacts to them. And on the internet, there's a way that the internet reacts to things. Like, say, a politician says or does something stupid. There's a way that the people on the street react to it. And then on the internet, there's a, there's a way that people react to it with photoshops and animated GIFs and Twitter reacts. To it. And, and like, I, I was always sort of fascinated by that, about how there's these two distinct cultures that 
while they intermingle are separate in a lot of ways too. So it, it's, it was designed to track web culture is, is the term that we came up with to, uh, to describe it. So there's two sort of separate parallel universes. In a lot of ways, yeah. In a lot of ways, I believe there are. Yeah, there's. Uh, so I've got. Uh, I just pulled. I just pulled two articles um, from, from. Oh boy. From today, the okay. stuff, stuff that you wrote. Uh, the first one says, "Man stabbed for his Jay Z Beyonce <laughs> relationship ignorance." Yes. Which is a yes. It's a story about a couple. That's of a. That's guys a. Guys got into a fight. Yes. About who Jay Z's married. Who Beyonce's married. A guy married did not. To. On New Year's Eve, these two guys were having a conversation and. Uh, this one guy apparently did not know that Jay-Z and Beyonce was married, and this other guy was so offended by this, he pulled out a knife and stabbed him. And, and yes. so, you, so you wrote an article about that. And, and, yeah. And you, and For you his st- own good. starts off by saying, I mean, I, I guess you hadn't had too many Jack Daniels when you wrote this. I, <laughs> it says, I mean, are you writing this in your, like in your house? Or I work from home, yeah. You I do? Love, I, so I, this, when, what, what are you wearing? Are you wearing your underwear or I, pajamas? Or, well, I'm ju- I, I, you're dressed like this. I wear a t- sweat, yeah, basically I have linen pants, pants, linen pants, pants T-shirt, uh, a lot of times sweatpants. All right. Uh, I have, I so have, you just get up in the morning. I literally, I, I fall asleep with my laptop and my iPad and my iPhone next to me. Yeah. I wake up, I roll over, and I just grab it. Oh, I, I living, usually, living the dream, man. And you wrote this. Great. And you yes. wrote this. Oftentimes, when I'm alone and in bed, and all the lights are out, and it's quiet, I stare up at the ceiling and think, what would I be willing to stab someone for? <laughs> That's a great sentence, isn't it? <laughs> That's a great sentence. I pride myself on my leads. Yeah. In, the, in, those, in those quiet thinking sessions, I have come to determine that there are three things I'd be willing to shank you, dear Uproxx reader, or anyone else for. Taking the name of Drew Brees in vain, a.k.a. Well, yeah. Brees. I mean, come on, really? Serving me something labeled gumbo that is red or any other color but brown <laughs> and refusing to cuddle with me after sex. Yeah, I'm uh, a cuddler. Are all, are they, I'm Aww. guilty. Guilty. I'm Aww. a cuddler. Are they all true or are you just making this? No, I, no I, I, would, I would not actually shank someone for that. But, um, no, but uh, you not do like spooning to. either, right? No spooning? I'm, or? Just, try, I'm just trying spooning, to get... Spooning, cuddling, I can't, yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of so the same thing. Putting just, it out there. Good for you. So yeah. if you go up to a bar, a woman in a bar, mm-hmm. and tell that you like to kill animals and cuddle after sex... Has oh, you'd be, you'd be surprised how... They both work equally? Yeah, yeah. The, it's the, it's the, you know, the... Intermingling of the two that that's really makes for an interesting com- uh, combination, I believe. And do you really do like to cuddle after? Sex? I do, I do. I and like to cuddle. Period. I'm a very affectionate really? guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could do that after <laughs> we get off here. Um, Lo- love is love, man. And then, it's, so the final, anyway, the final sentence of this article, which is all very funny, says, "What would you be willing to stab someone for?" Do people do people respond? I had a few people on Twitter who responded to me. Yeah. They'd like to. They would. They've got something they'd like to stab. They, yeah. For. Yeah. And another one said, "I." Thanks to you, I have this. I'm this question lingering in my head today. What would I be willing to stab someone for? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's so nice. That. Okay. And then the other story that I got from today's uh, Up Rocks page is James Franco is going to write a novel for Amazon, and we page. have an excerpt from it. <laughs> Do you really have an excerpt of James Franco's novel? <laughs> Go ahead and read it, and let's. Uh... I don't. Does the, is the excerpt's not here. No. The, oh, oh, no. That, that was. It wasn't a real excerpt. It, it wasn't it was, really. It was oh. a made-up excerpt oh, from thank his goodness. first okay. chapter of James Franco's. Then, but there's novel. a great photo of James Franco in class at wherever he was. Yes. Is it Yale or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's which and it's, which in is class. really there's a story behind that photo as well. Yeah. Um, I I don't think you mentioned it in my credits. I wrote for a site called Gawker. 
Gawker.com at one point, yeah. um, which is a pretty popular website. And when I was writing Gawker, I was um, I was a night editor there. And one night um, we got <clears throat> we had submitted someone uh, emailed it in to us, a uh, student at NYU who was taking classes with James Franco. So I was in class today, and James Franco was sitting next to me, just passed out in class. And that's, that's, the, that was, that's the photo. That's from like 2009. So you're the night editor at Gawker. Yes, I was. Gawker's a website, too, similar to Yeah, yeah. It's, it's now become, it's one of the more, it's one of the bigger sites huge. on the web. It's, what, it's a powerhouse. What did you have to work overnight at a website for? Um, why did I, what, well, you know, it's interesting. Um, okay. Uh, at the time, prior to working at Gawker, I'd worked in television for two years. What did, um, what did you do? I, uh, through my blog, had gotten a development deal with, uh, with Warner Brothers, and I wrote a couple of pilots for them, yeah. and I honestly had an absolutely miserable experience. And, um, Pretty this, much everybody has a miserable experience, oh, it was, it was, either it, working in television every, or watching it. Every, everything I was warned about, everything I was heard, every possible stereotype um, regarding Hollywood you could possibly encounter, I ran into it, and it was soul-draining. And, um, and so I was literally, I had, you know, I... I, I, my contract had ended, and I um, I was looking for something to do. And uh, Gawker, the managing editor there, um, you know, knew of me like a lot of people did through the web, and uh, knew my deal had been in, and said, "Hey, would you want to come write for us?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure, absolutely." And so I went to work for him, and it was really interesting because I, I worked overnight, which I something well, I never. Is, that was my question. Why do you have to work overnight at a website? Well, well, here here's the thing. I. It really, I wrote at night a lot. I really like to write at night because there was no distractions. After cuddling, um, sometimes, yeah, okay. sometimes, sometimes News before and sleep. after. Yes, <laughs> um, and so I was used to, um, you know, a lot of times I did when I was working on the TV shows. A lot of times I did my best writing between like midnight and four in the morning when my phone wasn't ringing. There was nothing on TV. There's nothing that's, to distract me. That's good for everybody, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think anyone, you know, I've talked to a lot of business, any artist, writing, yeah. artist, yeah. And all the Australians are awake, and that's great for You can back. call Australia. Yeah. And so um, uh, they were looking for someone, because there is news that breaks at night. Um, and, uh, is there? Like in Australia or India? Uh, well, well, a lot of, here too, I mean, it really is a 24-hour news cycle. Well, take for instance, say, someone will go on Bill O'Reilly's show and say something utterly ridiculous, and so... You know, I would really? grab a great, really? yeah, imagine that. <laughs> grab our Bill O'Reilly himself will sometimes say something utterly ridiculous. And I'd grab a clip, write, you know, write okay. it up and blah, 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 blah. And so, um, and then a lot of times at night too is when with the, um, all the major newspapers in the country will put their big stories online at midnight or shortly after midnight. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a bunch of journalists so they would up at want, night working. Well, and especially at Gawker, they wanted to have summaries of these stories or links to them for when people got to their desks in the morning go to the site and there anything you possibly needed to know of substance was there hey and so, um, um, what was your uh, what was your idea for a tv show that got you a deal um well actually i didn't have a i really didn't have an idea initially i um i got i had an agent approach me yeah um when i was writing my personal blog i was probably like it was when it was still in its infancy stages it was only a few months old and someone approached me was like hey have you, <clears throat> have you ever thought about writing for television and uh, I was like, yeah, it's something I would really like to do. And so I um, said, I want to, you know, do you have any ideas? And I lied and said that I did. And set me up, set me up with a bunch of pitch meetings right. like t- for two weeks after. And so basically I got together with friends like, holy shit, I have to come up. You know, I have to write a pilot. And so I wrote a pilot in two weeks and wound up and wound up going in and, uh, and selling it. And, and what was it? It was a show ba- loosely based on my relationship with a girl um, who 
was my best friend at the time. It was a Broadway, pretty prominent Broadway actress named Laura Bell Bundy, um, who was starring in Legally Blonde on Broadway at the time. She was also in Hairspray. And it was sort of, to summarize, it was, it was Will and Grace okay. with a straight guy and a straight girl, basically. Uh, two people who were kind oh, of the divergent. best friends living in an apartment yes, together. Yes, living in an apartment in New York City. Didn't want to have sex because that would Basi- ruin everything. Yes, yes. And there was all the sexual tension between yes, the two throughout the whole series. Idea. All the things. So, How can it go wrong? So there was that. And then my second pilot was a show about a group of kids, you'd appreciate this, um, who were in a band um, who were trying to make it. I wanted, to, I wanted it to be, the idea was it to be, for it to be the anti-entourage, which I don't know if you're familiar with that show on HBO, which yeah, is basically yeah. about a movie star. And I wanted to show the trajectory of an artist starting from living on someone's couch all the way. And that was the whole nice. idea for the trajectory was starting that off sounds a great, like living a great off idea. in Williamsburg. And then in, did somebody buy that? We, we got, we, we filmed a pilot, but it didn't get picked up, oh. unfortunately. So who owns so, that idea now? Do you own that or do they own it? Um, myself and uh, two, two people that I, so could you go do it again? I mean, cause that sounds it's like possible. A- it's possible. And there has been some thought of doing it again, but, um, until it's Hollywood's a weird place for whatever yeah. reason. The fact that it did not get picked up when we shot the pilot that's it now has a scarlet letter uh, on right. it, but it's it can fail. There's yes, yeah. it's failed, yeah. But, they but there's been some thought of re well. What, what's ironic, what came out of there's a show called How to Make It in America that came on HBO like shortly mm-hmm. after that that was very similar to the show that what we did. What a coinky dink, what a coincidence, right? <laughs> and um, but except it was about a fashion designer, about two kids who are fashion designers, but it it kind of merged all the same scenes. Our pilot looked like the, the, the visuals of the show looked almost identical oh, wow. to each other. Wait. So imagine that, yeah. Well, you um, could always sue them. That's the great American way. That is the great American way. Hey, we got to get out of here in a minute, but before we do, I just wanted to um, pull up your uh, Twitter account, Karen. Really? At K. Beninato. <laughs> just, this is just stuff you said. I write said. that very late. This is just stuff you said today. That might have been, this might have been yesterday. Uh, Pity we can't put down Republican politicians like we do lame horses. <laughs> oh, no, that was someone's answer to me. Oh, that wasn't you didn't say that? No, I had second thoughts about retweeting. <laughs> yours, what did well, yours I was going to tweet something really vulgar about Rick Santorum today. I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't. You did it because I would have read it out. Read no, it on the I air. Would, I, <laughs> I, think I, d- you I didn't say something. Blue, about, didn't you say something about Santorum? I probably oh, sure there's think, there's a gazillion Santorum jokes. I think he did Cajun boy. I think I, think I <laughs> but no, there was right one here. in particular that I was thinking about that I that I held back on. I was like, oh, this may fail. This may offend some people. What was it? I, I come on. You're really th- gonna make me say it? <laughs> no, you don't have to say it. Um, I thought I had that here, but uh-huh. I don't. I did. T- oh, here it is, Rick Santorum. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I found it. What did I say Who's about that? Rick Santorum? When will a political reporter ask Rick Santorum where he found a free t- a time machine to magically transport him here from the 1950s? Was See, that wasn't so bad. That no. wasn't so bad. That was kind of nice. So you didn't work blue. He looks like it with a stupid <laughs> he look, sweater vest. He looks vest with a sweater vest and the, the opposition to birth control. I mean, like, right. who, like, wait, really, an American politician in 2011 is really going to talk about being opposed to birth control? Is that, he's anyway. opposed to birth control? He's opposed yes. to all forms of birth state control. He thinks states should get to decide. Yes. Okay. As women flee Texas and droves. Yes, the state should decide, he thinks. Yeah. Yes. Well, that would divide up the population. And maybe also <laughs> slavery. Who knows? Mm. Oh, so, okay, so we have to get And he here, wants all federal funding, of here's, course. To be here's out. one from uh, at K. Beninato. Mm. Some fashionista is probably already developing the new GOP accessory, a three-way tie. Three-way tie. They were in a three-way tie. Three-way tie is a genius idea. <laughs> that was from, that is a pretty from good Iowa. Idea. But then it was down to two, and I thought about two-way, two-way tie, tie. But then that's just a tie. Oh, 
not so cool. <laughs> it was funny. Lost its luster. It was funny for a good ten yeah. minutes. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing about Twitter. I mean, I don't know if anyone ever prints crap no. off Twitter. That's like Do you know what Huffington has. I didn't know this, and I had a friend saying, "Boy, I've been enjoying. You've had some tweets scrolling across the top of Huffington, yeah. which I, ha- I found out that way." And I and I said, "Really? The one I just wrote, Senator Poopy Pants." <laughs> you wrote. Some- yep, front and center, my friend. So it's right. The Huffington. Post owns your tweets. They can just put that up on their site. No, they do a stream of whatever uh, applies to what's page. happening at the time. Oh, it picks subjects. Yeah. From all across Twitter, or just across I don't their know. contributors. I wouldn't say I'm a friend, dimly acquainted with Ariana. So maybe it's a good, good, good for your little joke. I was gonna tweet. I was gonna print a tweet out. If but it didn't. It didn't come. I was trying to get Ellen Barkin. Is the actress is on Twitter now, and she's yeah. really, really vulgar. And I spent about two weeks trying to get Ellen Barkin to call me a cunt. On Twitter, <laughs> I, and I told her, I said, "Look, just, just call me a cunt. I want to print it out, frame it, and hang it above my toilet." In that my would bathroom. make your career, man. And I, I was like, this, "This is so." And she told me on my birthday, she said, "The final." We went back and forth for about a week. Ellen Barkin and I. She said, "On my birthday, remind me, and I will call you a cunt on your birthday on Aww. Twitter." So that is so sweet. Yes, I know, isn't it? That's isn't a really it? nice. Hollywood it really, really well, I would cuddle a, with Ellen Barkin. And that's a charming note to end. Or, or, <laughs> or stab. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us. Brett Dykes, also known as the Cajun Boy. Karen Dalton Beninato, also known as Kay Beninato. And Jeff Beninato, who I promised you we'd play your song and we didn't do it. Don't worry about it. I Can we do it next time? Yes. I mean, I, we could just keep this going for another couple of hours, I would think, Why actually, not? this show. But we will, come, we'll, we will come back and play your song. Jeff, tell us where to find that song. We'll put a link to it on our site as well. Uh, it's, it's on iTunes. You can look up my name, Jeff Beninato, B-E-N-I-N-A-T-O. All love is love, and it's going to go to the campaign for anti-bullying, which is the uh, It Gets Better campaign. Okay. It's an international thing. It's a really cool thing. And, and there's a video on YouTube. which is a video, has too. has a lot of kisses. Okay. Yes. We're gonna, we'll have links to all that on our you site. It. It's neworleans.com. Thank you guys so much for being here today at the Columns Hotel. Thank you, Grant. The Columns Hotel is uptown on St. Charles Avenue. If you want to come here and uh, you haven't got anything to do and you don't know anything about New Orleans, if you're looking for a hotel or a tour or need tips on what to do, check in with our friends at neworleans.com, the official New Orleans travel site. The producer of our show is Melinda Hawes. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Our technical overlord is Mitch Cry. Christian Unruh is our music director and our web designer and linked to the real world is Cliff Brigden. Our theme song was written and is being played by Mitch Foreman. If you'd like to be on our show, drop us a line at itsneworleans at gmail.com. You can check out our other shows, Happy Hours, tons of them, and Out to Lunch along with Peter Raschuti at Commander's Palace. Coming soon, new shows Mindset with physician Dr. Nick Pajic and our comedy sports show with Chris True. You can keep up with us by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter, and you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. <laughs>